Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt. Bellisai. I'm here in the studio, as always, with my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hey, Matt. How's it going? You know, I've had a really crazy week, but I'm feeling really good about it. Like, I, I've gotten a lot of stuff done, and I, your positive vibes from 2019 and last week, I feel like I'm just really bringing it into this year. I you didn't know, I was ask a, oh. for a goddamn novel, okay? You know what? You're right. You're always right, and I am so sorry. Thank you. You're welcome. So, um, what's what's in this episode? I'm glad you asked. On today's episode, we're going to start off with Worst Things First, as always. The part of the show where I tell you all of the worst news of the week. After that, we are diving deep into all of the objects in my life that do not bring me joy. You know why? Because Marie Kondo told me that I need to hold everything I own, and I did. And boy, oh boy, were most things a disappointment to me. Maybe, maybe I'm just broken <laughs> and incapable of feeling joy. <laughs> and finally, we've got Francesca Ramsey in the studio as our guest complainer. Francesca is an actress, comedian, video blogger. She was a writer and correspondent at The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore. And she hosts MTV's web series, Decoded. But most importantly, she's from Florida. So we have a lot to talk about. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's frickin' start the show. All right, worst things first. Let's talk about the worst news of the week. First, immigration officials in Malaysia? I don't really know how immigration works. In other places. I'm real nervous about this story. This is a great way to start it off. (laughs) 
immigration officials stopped a 45-year-old man from Singapore who was trying to enter Malaysia. They stopped him after hearing meowing sounds coming from his pants. It's always from the pants. From a bulge in his pants. No. Turns out he was smuggling four live kittens. (laughs) (laughs) Not just one, four whole kittens. How did he keep them in his pants? I don't know. They really did not get into specifics, (laughs) but I am curious. Like, did he duct tape them to his legs? Was it like a knife? Did he smuggle it in his butthole? Where just the head was peeking out? (laughs) I guess all four heads would have to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess there have been like a number of stories about animal smuggling recently. U.S. Customs and Border Protection stopped a man last year trying to enter JFK in New York from Guyana in South America with 70 live birds oh in my a duffel bag. <laughs> and you know they how were he still did it. alive? Yeah, he stuffed each bird into its own hair curler. (laughs) (laughs) And they opened the bag and they were like, why are all of these curlers flying around the airport? And that's how birds get into airports. (laughs) (laughs) Next! Okay, here's a story. A man in San Francisco bought a $30 scratch-off lottery ticket and bam, he thinks he won $10,000. Okay, so he goes home and he tells his roommate and he's like, guess what, bitch? I won $10,000. And then he goes to the lottery place to collect his money and the lottery people are like, actually, this ticket is fake. What? And the, the man is like, what the fuck? No, I won. And then he's like, wait a second. What if my roommate did some shit? And it turns out his roommate did some shit. (gasps) He like went to the police, told them like, I think my roommate stole my winning lottery ticket. And they set up like a sting operation. Oh my God. (laughs) And the roommate had started filling out like the paperwork you need to fill out to claim a lottery ticket winnings. (laughs) And an investigator reached out and was like, oh yeah, come on into the office and collect your money. And then he came in and they arrested him. Because he had the original ticket. Then it turns out that the ticket was actually worth $10 million. No. (laughs) Not $10,000. No. So this man bragged that it was worth 100 times less than he thought. His roommate stole it. Turns out it was actually worth $10 million. You know what he should do? He should fucking buy that building and evict him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you truly fucked up. Like, you could have, your roommate is now. Your former roommate. I mean, your roommate now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, Are your cellmates. Yeah. <laughs> it's a prison cell. Yeah. You tried to rob your roommate, and now he's worth $10 million, and you're in jail. So, <laughs> have fun. Although, <laughs> in San Francisco... <laughs> Ten million dollars will get you, get you, get you a studio apartment. Am I right? Oh, oh, you're right. Oh, <laughs> we should just shut this down. <laughs> Honestly, why do we do this anymore? Is anyone listening? <laughs> Next, 
Christmas isn't over for a woman in Springfield, Virginia, after an egg case containing more than 100 praying mantises hatched in the middle of her Christmas tree (laughs) and have infested her apartment. (laughs) Can you imagine what a hell that is? You wake up one day and your apartment is covered in praying mantises. Like, A, what a horrifying bug to have a hatch in your home en masse. (laughs) But this woman, uh, of course, is like, you know, the nicest person ever. And she refuses to kill them. She doesn't want to, like, vacuum them up. So she's been individually, like, catching them all as she finds them with envelopes and putting them in shoeboxes and feeding them fruit flies. Okay, so it sounds like she was pranked and that someone knew that she was going to do this then. What a horrible prank. I mean, like, also a pretty great prank, though. I honestly, I'd burn my house down. (laughs) With all of my belongings. Because then what if, like, I mean, I guess they're all siblings. But what if they start having babies with one another? Does incest apply to praying mantises? Praying mantises, they're the ones who, like, the the female bites off the male's head after they have sex. Yeah. So at least least that dick is dead. (laughs) And then she laid her sack in the Christmas tree. And then, bam, nine months later... (laughs) A hundred praying mantises. What a horror show. Absolutely. I would I would I would end it. Look at all the presents Santa brought. I just ugh, I don't want to go anywhere near the state of Virginia. Next sad news as the first nude restaurant in Paris is closing its doors after just a year because it's not making enough money. What the fuck? The French. <laughs> oh, is a is a, a free meal that only costs fifty eight dollars not good enough for you just because you have to be naked while you eat it? <laughs> How dare you? This is cuisine, French cuisine. My important question is: Do the chefs wear clothes? Yes. Yes, they do. Okay, that's yeah. good. That'd be all a of, danger. All of the restaurant staff wears clothes. So this restaurant called All Natural. Amazing title. Amazing name. (laughs) (laughs) What else are you going to call it? This restaurant opened in December 2017, and they offered a three-course dinner with, like, lobster and all this nice-ass stuff for only $58. But you have to—it's for customers that were butt-ass naked. And shockingly, not enough people took that offer. Even the French, (laughs) who are notoriously nude. I feel like if I were at a nude restaurant, I would only be able to drink or eat lukewarm items. Because if I were to spill even the slightest, it would be a danger. True. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming they're still like there's a napkin across their lap. I mean, I don't know the rules. I, I haven't know. been there I and the I'll never be able to go. The are like, no, ma'am, I have to see your taint at all times. <laughs> it has to be fully visible. The The space in between your vagina and butthole also, needs to be fully visible to me before I serve you the soup. That would also mean that the napkins are basically underwear and I don't want to like wear other people's underwear. I mean, the world is basically a pair of underwear. It's beautiful. I'm surprised it lasted a year. Honestly, yeah. I thought you were going to say after a week. So... I just don't. I think it's how a win. is that appealing to anybody? Because you know, there's nobody walking in there who's like a model, right? I feel you're like... staring at an old man's like wrinkly baguette for the entire three course meal. Oh God, I feel like it would only work if it were on a nude beach, like where there was already a nude situation. Because that's the other thing. Do you get to the <laughs> restaurant and then 
disrobe? I don't think you leave your house naked and walk through the streets of Paris. So and then I'm arrive saying there. that it probably would be a more successful establishment if it were a nude restaurant that was like a little shack near a nude beach or other nude colony. Sure. You know, I just don't I'm just under- trying to help them out. OK, why do they need that? Like, who's asking for this? What niche is the serving besides like hungry pervs? I think that's the niche. And you know what? Turns out not strong enough. I like I don't even know if I'm fully on board with eating naked anywhere. I do it only out of laziness. <laughs> Finally, a giant 210 foot long fatberg. Do you remember what a fatberg is? No. <laughs> it's <laughs> your mom. No. <laughs> your mom. <laughs> Uh, a fatberg, if you recall, because I think we had talked about one during Worst Things First like a year ago when one was found in London, um, is a mass of like grease and fat and shit and wet wipes that forms in right. the sewers. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and then it becomes sentient. So this giant fatberg, it's one of the largest ever found. It, it was this is taller than the Leaning Tower of Pisa. What? Which sounds impressive, but I don't know how fucking tall the Leaning Tower of Pisa is. It always looks so small in those photos. Yeah, people are holding it up <laughs> with their hands. That's yeah. not that big at all. I realize I don't really know. Like, the Statue of Liberty is not that big. Yeah, I remember when I saw it for the first time, I was like, oh, okay. it's a statue. Yeah. <laughs> it's just on an island. Yeah. Also, like, the Eiffel Tower isn't that big. Really? I don't think so. I've, I've never, never seen been. it. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I was going to go to Paris was to eat at a nude restaurant. And now my life is dead. Anyway, this the this giant 210-foot-long fatberg was found blocking a sewer of a seaside town in the UK. It is apparently will take eight weeks to remove. <laughs> oh, my God. Been there. <laughs> my mom had a fatberg grow inside of her for nine months. And then I ate him. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that is it for Worst Things First. Next, we are piling all of our plaid shirts up. We are taking them one by one. And we are making them tell us whether they bring joy or not. And if they don't, we are bucking them up. Marie. Kondo. Tidying. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. dive. All right, so many of you Fairweather Marie Kondo fans uh, are jumping on the tidying up bandwagon now that she has a TV show. But some of us hardcore stands of Marie Kondo, we know her from all the way back in 2012. Because of her uh, very popular book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Did you know about Marie Kondo before this? Yeah, I never read her I book. I bet you didn't, okay. you dumbass. I just said I did. <laughs> <laughs> I read her book, and then I did nothing about it. <laughs> but I still love her, so shut your fucking mouth. Obviously, I was a fan of the book before it was cool, because I'm better than you. But if you haven't read the book or seen the TV show... It's basically a guide to getting rid of the shit in your life that you don't need. And the gist of the Marie Kondo method is that you individually hold every item in your life and you decide whether it sparks joy. And if it doesn't, 
Then you thank it for its service, and then you toss it into a flaming pit of hell. Have you watched any of the TV show? No. She's the nicest person. She she pulls up with uh, an assistant slash translator who holds an umbrella for her. She pulls up in like an automatic van and the door opens for her and closes behind her. So she doesn't touch anything until she comes in. I fucking love her. I live for her. And I want her to slap me across the face. So, in honor and in service to our god Marie Kondo, I decided to do an audit of my life and get rid of all the shit that doesn't spark joy in me, and I will share all of these things with you in hopes that you might also tidy the fuck out of your life and get rid of all these shitty things. Are you ready? I'm ready. Yes! First, people on Instagram... who post a picture with their boyfriends and then the caption refers to them as this guy or even worse, this goober. (laughs) Fuck you! What the fuck is a goober? First of all, a goober is a Smucker's product that I thought was discontinued but apparently is not, according to my research. It's also from Spongebob. Oh, yeah. I'm the goofy goober. goober. (laughs) Fantastic film. Saw it in theaters. Would see again. I'm trying to be introspective and ask myself, does this only make me angry because I am not posting pictures with anybody? Uh, You posted a photo with Kerry Washington. Okay, but I'm not going to call her my goober. (laughs) (laughs) Just hanging out backstage with this goober. After seeing her in a harrowing play about, like, police brutality, I take a picture with Carrie Washington and then post it with a caption, hanging out with this goober, me and the goobs. (laughs) I just, like, stop. Stop referring to them as this. Does not spark joy. Next. This one um, may be a bit controversial, but heartfelt videos designed to make you emotional. Let me explain. These are videos that are basically designed to make you cry. I feel like I've been seeing more and more of them on Facebook and Instagram. They're always like, watch this abandoned baby elephant who got shot in the face as a fetus and can't hear out of either of its eyes. Sniff for the first time with its estranged mother who just came back from Afghanistan. Real title that I just made up. I just there's some there's some that I get but then there are some that I'm like ah, this feels weird that you're like broadcasting this moment I guess it's I'm not I don't hate on if you want to feel joy whatever <laughs> it just feels weird to me I don't know when, when it's like watch this baby like hear its mom for the first time I'm like I, I, I don't know, that's his moment why do <laughs> I need to be a part of it <laughs> I'm going to start a web series where I purposely, like, kidnap people (laughs) just so I can broadcast the moment where I reunite them. That show's going to be extremely successful. Yeah. Ellen, if you're listening, I feel like this would be a great addition to your suite of of properties. (laughs) I think this has a lot of potential. Next! This is what does not spark joy in me. I don't know if I've ever truly talked about this on the podcast before, but sushi is the worst food ever invented. I also really, I just never want it for lunch. Everyone always wants it for lunch, and I don't want it for lunch because I'm never full. But I, I like I like an experience. It is probably wrong in some way to use 
a Japanese woman's concept of tidying up to disparage sushi as an entire food group. <laughs> That's yep. it. Just does not appeal to me, and everybody loves. I think this is truly my answer to what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves. Because I do get asked that a lot, and I realized I don't have an answer. One time, I was at an event, and someone asked me, and I said vagina, and there were children there, and I realized <laughs> I should not have said that. <laughs> Um, But my real answer is relative of vagina, which is sushi. And even like, I remember I went to that one place in LA that Sugarfish, is that it? Where people are like, even if you hate sushi, you'll love it. It's so fresh. No, it's still fucking raw fish that you're asking me to eat. No. Okay, well then there you go. I don't. Okay. I don't like raw anything. Okay. Stop yelling at me. Have I eaten it? Yes. Have I gagged? Yes. Is it a bad gag? Yes. Next! People who post childhood photos next to adult photos, like before and after, and the caption is like, this glow up. (laughs) But it's like, all you did was grow up. Like, all you did was just the years passed by. I feel like this is it always comes up in my Instagram explore page where people either they do it for themselves or they do it for celebrities like I see it like Sean Mendez fans do this a lot where it's like he has barely gone through puberty <laughs> and they post a picture of him as like a three year old and him now and they're like this glow up and it's like he aged why are you what are you celebrating the baby is not hot it's a baby <laughs> exactly <laughs> It's like, bitch, all he did was age. That's like taking a photo of blue cheese and saying, this glow up. (laughs) No, that's mold. Next. This I've talked about plenty, but pizza does not spark joy in me. I think I finally, I've, I've finally gone from tolerating it to actively disliking it. I've been pushed over the edge because people are still substituting a personality with pizza. Next. Why do they fucking put everything behind a lock and key at Dwayne Reed? Let me steal. <laughs> Every fucking Tide product is now behind a goddamn lock and key. All because someone invented a trend last year. Now I can't buy Tide and wash my fucking armpits. Because I have to talk to a Dwayne Reed employee. Although every time I go to the Dwayne Reed near my apartment, someone steals something. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I learned recently that I, apparently at some retail stores, they're not allowed to chase you beyond, like, the sidewalk. Right. So if you're going to steal, <laughs> run fast <laughs> and get beyond the barrier of the sidewalk. Because <laughs> I swear to God, every time I'm in Dwayne Reed, there's, the, like, this manager at the Dwayne Reed who will chase them to the sidewalk and then just yell, like, profanities at the person across who stands on the other side of the street and yells back. <laughs> It's like, you're a fucking loser. And then the the other person is like, you work at Dwayne Reed. Love New York City. (laughs) I know. This is why this is, it's literally like below my apartment. Next, read receipts. This was on my mind earlier. There's no, nothing in life is improved by read receipts. I don't know of any story. Tell me a story in which read receipts made life better. I dislike the fact that technology has made it seem as if I am available (laughs) when I am not. 
Because, yes, technically I'm always available. (laughs) (laughs) But sometimes you're, like, not ready to respond. Next! People who FaceTime in public and or at all. I don't think FaceTiming is a good invention. A, because when someone FaceTimes you, it immediately activates your camera. And even though I know I'm the only one who can see it on my end until I answer, it's still upsetting. Because it's never like my diva light isn't on. I'm never like in front of an open window. My wind machines aren't plugged in. So I'm never in my prime. I did, someone FaceTimed me at midnight on New Year's Eve, and I was fully naked. (laughs) I was in a robe on my couch, and then I had to, like, button up the robe, and she was like, oh, you were naked. And I was like, I'm in a robe. And then she turned the phone around and showed me to everybody she was in the room with. I was like, you're basically like, okay, why don't I just bend over? (laughs) Next in things that do not spark joy in me, straight guys who are good at gay baiting me because I'm very vulnerable to it. (laughs) If you don't know what gay baiting is, it's when straight guys do shit that gets all of the gays being like, oh my God, I love him. Which is basically my entire (laughs) aesthetic. (laughs) But yeah, it specifically made me think about it because Timothy Chalamet from Call Me By Your Name and Beautiful Boy, is that the movie that he's in this year he wore this like sparkly like harness thing to the golden globes and everybody lost their minds even though i think it was dolce and gabbana maybe who whoever made it clarified that it was like it's a bib not a harness (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like okay first of all that's not better b you're trying to make it sound less gay uh c you've already caught me like my gay cheek has been hooked be gay or stop trying to get my attention next anybody who has more than one coat what are you doing what are you doing okay having several coats this is, is amazing. new york city are you bitch me? where do you keep them all or do you sleep on them <laughs> that's my mattress <laughs> that's i stuffed it's just a bunch of coats stuffed together <laughs> i i spent on one coat. And that's my (laughs) coat now. That's my coat for life. No, but you have to Moira it. Oh, okay. Well, if I were a soap opera star, then sure, I I probably could. Now, I do have more than one jacket slash coat, but it's just like, I don't understand. It's so fun. How you choose. I barely. Weather, humidity, outfit, how high your pants are that day. Oh, you just wear the same thing every day anyway. So that's why. Yeah. I only have one coat that I bought from J. Crew that weighs 70 pounds and that's what I wear everywhere mm-hmm. and I don't have any other options because A. I have limited closet space because that's where I live <laughs> and B. I don't like choices isn't there a whole thing by like that's why Steve Jobs like was Ugh, so famous yeah, uniforms. he never wore any he never had to like make choices in the morning yeah because he didn't have fun no I, I don't know I just I like picking out outfits so I yeah. don't all he did was like sit on a hardwood floor every day that's it that's all he did he didn't do anything else <laughs> name one other name thing name one thing Steve, Steve Jobs, Jobs has done um, next ice cream sandwiches made with two hard cookies you always think it's gonna be better but it's not it's really difficult to eat it's too hard to eat it, it's it's really hard and then once you get through it's just like like you're gonna break your teeth 
because they just immediately go together. You know what I mean? And then it's just like cold everywhere. And it's right. just a painful experience. In Mexico, um, because I went to Mexico. Oh my God, you went to Mexico? Yeah, it was wow. in Mexico. And I had a churro ice cream sandwich. Mm. And it was sort of the same thing. Also, they didn't have any spoons. In all of Mexico? All of Mexico. Wow. Not one spoon. That's insane. Or spork. Oh my gosh. And finally... The fact that Netflix still asks, are you still watching in the year of our Lord 2019? This service, Netflix has existed for what, 50 years? Around. You should understand by now that A, I'm always watching, and B, I don't want to take even the five seconds that it takes for me to find my fucking remote and click, yes, I'm still watching. Every time it comes up, I scream yes at my TV in hopes that it will understand. Every time. (laughs) It should, my Apple remote at this point should know to respond to that. The visceral anger in my voice. There's nobody, there's never been a time where I've ever used that function. Ever. If I fall asleep, that's my own fault. And I deserve the consequences. And that is it for this week's deep dive. I feel more joyful already. Now I have room in my life for all of the better things. Like a cold glass of brewski. (laughs) I hope everybody feels as inspired as I do. Tidy up your fucking life, you idiots. And now, Francesca Ramsey. My guest complainer today is the prolific writer, actress, comedian, video blogger, Francesca Ramsey. Uh, You know Francesca as Chesca Lee on Twitter. She's been a writer and contributor uh, for The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore, the MTV web series Decoded. You may know her amazing and hilarious videos starting, well, not starting with, but including the iconic uh, shit black girls say to what shit white girls say to black girls. Almost fucked it up. I got there in the end. (laughs) Um... Other creds. We need to read all of them. She's also the co-host of the podcast Last Name Basis and author of the book, Well, That Escalated Quickly. Francesca, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm out of breath just reading all of your accomplishments. I was listening to that and I was like, oh, I did that. I did that. <laughs> oh, that was me. Uh, well, we like to be in a bad mood and get our complaining juices mm, going. By I'm asking, always ready. <laughs> <laughs> asking everybody, what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves? Mm. The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Sorry. (laughs) Not sorry. I was ready. And if you like that show, we are going to start this episode off on a bad note. Because I have things to say. Tell me why. Um, I'm not here for this idealized version of the 50s where racism doesn't exist. <laughs> I also can't really get into like stories about rich girls achieving their dreams. Yeah. It's just like, I live in this big apartment and I've always wanted to be a stand-up comic and I never bomb and I also have perfect tits. Like, okay, enough. <laughs> and just in case you're thinking like, oh my God, that's horrible. I love that show. I gave that show a smooth six episodes. Like I, I committed. I All was right, like, everybody yeah. loves this show. I want to know if it's good. And I kept watching. And I genuinely think that the clothes are the only reason that I made it that far because <laughs> I, I love the clothes. The clothes are great. Yeah, the clothes are beautiful. Um, I feel like the acting style is very. 
it's I don't know like she's this stand up comic but like nothing she says is funny to me uh-huh. but she says it in a way that like she you know it's supposed to be funny she's like right because I was talking to my husband and I was like hey husband and I'm like where, where was I not hear one joke like it sounded like a joke was coming right right I mean that is like 90% of a joke <laughs> <laughs> it's just the person being like, Bleh. yeah, I don't know. It just and then like, oh, there was this one episode. I can't remember which one it is, but she goes to get a job at Macy's and the girl is giving her a tour. And she was like, and there's our Negro girl. She works with the Negro customers. And she's like, hi, I'm a Negro. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? First of all, you would not work here. Second of all, you wouldn't be like, hi, I'm Negro. And I only get to talk to the Negro girls. She would be like, this sucks. I'm prettier and more talented than all of these hoes. And I don't even get to fuck. I just to be in like the back room somewhere. Yeah. But in this like magical version of reality, she just like hangs out with them and it's like all good. I don't know. It just like really <laughs> bothered me. I yeah, I feel like I identify with the, the Jane Lynch character. Did you get to that episode? No, I didn't. <laughs> I think it's towards the end of the first season where she plays this comic on stage who is like a kind of Larry the Cable Guy type. Oh, okay. And then she invites uh, the main character, uh, Miss Maisel, over to her house. And it's like this mansion and she has butlers. And, so like... everybody's just like rich and deciding that they want to do. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Like, that's I don't know one rich person who was like, you know what I want to do? Like, go do stand up right. comedy. But it, like that character is like, at least in private, owns the fact that she's like just this rich okay. piece of shit. And, but and like is totally faking it on stage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I love that. That is what I aspire to. Okay. Here's the thing. I understand why people do like the show. Like, yeah. I've talked to people who have really expressed that they feel like because it's such a culturally Jewish show. Mm-hmm. And and one thing that I didn't think about that, like, definitely changed my perspective on it a little bit in the sense that, like, their Jewishness is not the punchline on that show. And on a lot of shows, characters are like, like, look at me. And, <laughs> right. like, like, that's the the joke is that they're Jewish, right, not right. that they're just Jewish and funny. So, like, I get that. And for some people, they're like, that's the first time I've seen my culture really reflected in that way. And I think that that's awesome. It just doesn't speak to me. Yeah. And I watched the Emmys this year and I was like, holy shit, this show is sweeping and Mm -hmm. I I can't get into it. I really, really tried. And I felt like a failure of some sort. I didn't want to tell people. (laughs) It's not. It's not a reflection on you. I know it's not. I'll fly as fuck. (laughs) So like, it's cool. Like, I just don't like the show. All right. Um, I accept it. I accept that. I like I'm not going to say it was difficult for you, though. I saw the look in your eyes. You were like, oh, my God. I enjoy it. Like, I'm not. It's not like I'm. I'm going to sit here and defend it. Like, I don't feel like that strongly mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. it. That is my my problem, I think, with most things pop culture is that I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to go to bat for anything. Well, we're also not like 13 years old because yeah. I never was the type of person who was going to fight somebody over something. Right. But like, I, for example, Taylor Swift stands have tried to get my Twitter shut down. <laughs> like, it's been, like, and, and it was a more like a very mild tweet. I, I was just listening to, um, you were on Los Culturistas. Yes. And I, I wanted to ask you about this because you were <laughs> oh talking God. about it. <laughs> you can tell it scarred me for life. Like, I don't want stands to come for me. Like, if you say anything, about their fave, they will yeah. try to destroy you. That's what I feel like. I'll say something, and then someone will come at me for it, and I'll be like, "Oh, yeah, I don't really care that much." Yeah, I don't get like if you say you don't like a musician or a show that I like, like I don't get worked up about it. Right. But right. I think for a lot of young people these days, especially because of social media, they feel this like 
deep connection to artists. Like they watched them grow up. They've talked to them. They've built these relationships with them. So they feel very protective over them. Right. And I think it was when um, Taylor Swift did a cover of Earth, Wind & Fire's September. Right. I literally tweeted, (laughs) who asked for this? And people were like, I asked for this, bitch. I was like, what is going on? And then. But also like. Did you? No. <laughs> did you, you ask for this? Know. You didn't even yeah. know what. Uh, no. I, I still haven't even listened to it. It was, I th- I it refused. was bad. It yeah. was it was bad. And and that's not to say that like she. And that was the other thing that was so funny is like not to diminish her talent. Like I do think she's talented. Yeah. Not necessarily like all her music is for me. But her stands went and dug up old tweets where I'd said positive things about Taylor Swift. And they're like, Flip-flops. you're a fraudulent bitch because you said that you liked 1989. And I was like, I did. And like, it, there were bops on there. Are you kidding we me? can like, contain multitudes. Seriously, Justice well, yeah. for the Wildest Dreams video because I thought it sucked and I love that song. Yeah. But also, she didn't need to do a cover of Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. It does feel like, I mean, this isn't like a novel take, but like, there's no nuance. On on the internet, you either are like 100% for something or 100% oh, against it. There's absolutely. no middle ground. I have definitely figured out through lots of trial and error, which is largely what my book is about, is that I don't need to weigh in on everything. Yeah. And th- there are oftentimes things where I'm like, I could weigh in on this, but the conversation that needs to be had about this is way more nuanced than 140 characters. Right, right. And people are just going to get mad at me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you you feel this way, just as someone who like, you know, you are a personality on the internet. And because your job is to like be a person on the internet, mm-hmm. the expectation is that you are going to be commenting on oh, everything that happens. Oh, my goodness. And I think because I've pulled back, people have stopped putting that expectation on me. But yeah. there was a, a amount of time where, like, if any person said something racist, everyone was like, uh-oh, Francesca's <laughs> going to come and get you. Everyone's <laughs> like, did you see this? Did you see this? Did you see It was just like a barrage of people sending me the worst things that had happened to them, screenshots of the most awful messages yeah. or things on their Facebook and it was so overwhelming because I couldn't comment on all of it and sometimes as you know with the internet everybody's talking about that thing right so why do I need to chime in yeah, on it? Yeah. Like everything has been said that needs to be said. Like right, I don't right. have a fresh take on some innocent person being murdered. I'm like, that was bad. What What else do you need me to say? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like we're all talking about it and I think that that's important but sometimes... I found for myself, and I see other people do this as well, sometimes people say something just so they can get credit for saying something mm-hmm. rather than actually saying something worth worthwhile. And when I recognized that in myself, I thought, well, let me just use my platform more to uplift other people's voices yeah. so I don't have to be the center of attention all the time because I don't always know mm-hmm. and I don't always have the freshest or best take on something. Yeah, I always I always oscillate between like the there is the, the like Taylor Swift method of like being a person on the internet and the Beyonce method which is <laughs> wait break down these methods for me <laughs> this is more about like self-promotion and mm-hmm, less about mm-hmm. like engaging in, yes. in uh, current events okay but yeah I mean like Taylor's method obviously has been like I'm your best she's friend she's very accessible yeah I'm gonna yeah. like everybody's tweets and like I'm you know invite you over to my house mm-hmm. and Beyonce is like you'll get what you get when I give it to you well Beyonce doesn't like, like us that's the <laughs> right. thing and I think that that's like a and, yeah, and I'm o- and I'm okay with that you yeah. know what I mean like you can see it sometimes too. Like there's this really funny clip 
clip where she's like singing. I think she was singing Resentment uh-huh. and someone screamed out and she gave them this look like you need to <laughs> shut the fuck up. And I was like, oh, my God, like that's what I love about her. Like she's doing her thing. She's not trying to be our friend. Right. She's right. like, I'm grown with children and a husband. Like, I don't need y'all. I Versus a Taylor Swift who's like, I love you guys so much. I'm like, right. you don't love me. You don't even know me. I just ordered... Um, Beyonce, they, I, you know, I'm on the the email list. Mm, and you're in the beehive. Yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> and um, they sent an email with like the holiday merch, and I ordered like this mug, mm-hmm. and it came just fully shattered. Oh. It, it, and I was like, <laughs> and you were I thankful. deserve this. Yeah, I was like, Beyonce wants me to drink from this mug and bleed. <laughs> And I will. She was like, nobody told you to buy that mug. <laughs> I spent $400 on this mug. Uh, no, I still have to eat. I'm, I'm like eagerly versus, anticipating what they'll say to me. Versus Taylor Swift will like bake you actual <laughs> cookies and like send you a video. She'll like, she'll like fire hey, Matt, up the kiln and make me. I'm making these cookies for you. And like, thank you so much for buying 10 copies of Reputation. Yeah. You know, like, and it to me... There's a level of desperation in that approach Mm -hmm. that does not speak to me that like there's I like a celebrity that has a line between like their personal life and their public life. And I like that there's stuff about I don't know what Beyonce's bathroom looks like. Like, I don't know what's in her closet. Like, I don't know. I I can dream about it, but I don't know. And I kind of like that. Yeah. I have like my my six degrees of separation Beyonce story. Yeah. I hear it. We worked on an award show at BET, and one of the other writers worked on a project with Uh Jay-Z. And she was like, oh, I've seen Decoded stuff. You know how I found out about it? From Jay-Z. And I was like, what are you talking about? Jay-Z's biography is called Decoded, so he has like a Google alert that shows up anytime Decoded comes up. And so he saw Decoded, and according to her, he said, have you heard of this funny nerd bitch? (laughs) So, so that is your title I now. Know. And she was like, she was like, really, like when she told me, I was like, oh my God. She's like, oh, I feel so terrible. I shouldn't have told you he called you a funny nerd bitch. And I was like, no, I'm going to get it like tattooed on yeah. my neck. And she was like, yeah, like, you know, that means that Beyonce's watched it because they like sit in bed and watch YouTube videos because they can't leave their apartment. And uh-huh. I was like, oh my God, Beyonce's seen decoded. So. <sighs> I, and then I, when I finally meet her, I will just say, like, funny nerd bitch. Right, right. Might have heard of me. Yeah. I don't even know how we got on that. Besides that, I like to approach the internet like Beyonce sometimes. <laughs> where it's just like, you know what? <laughs> I'm not get here to interact. Uh, you yeah. get what you get, and then I go away. Let's talk about, like, kind of how how you got started. I, my favorite line from your Wikipedia page was, <laughs> she was using computers early, having a website in high school during the 1990s. <laughs> Direct quote. Wow. Well, I don't know who wrote that because apparently it's a faux pas to edit your own Wikipedia page. Uh I don't even know how. So same. Yeah. Shout out to whoever did that. I actually started my first website in middle school. Nice. What what? Um, I went to computer camp because Uh you know that's what cool kids do. Um, I went to this computer camp and I learned HTML and I Mm -hmm. learned how to code. Uh, It was like right after seventh grade. It's like summer after seventh grade. What? year was this 97 <laughs> okay do the math um so yeah i went to this computer camp and it was really small there was like 10 kids myself and one other girl we were the only girls at the camp and she had a website and i was like oh my god i need to have a website too um so 
I she kind of like inspired me to learn HTML and I started blogging and and just kind of like keeping a diary online mm-hmm. and um uh, I asked for a scanner for Christmas so I could scan <laughs> my photos on some internet. What y'all know about that? No digital cameras back then. Um, so I would. Yeah, you have to wait for the Kodak to come back yes, from the pharmacy. Yes, I got, get the dual disposable cameras. So yeah, I always just had an interest in the internet. And then um, after I went to acting school, I got a job working on the school of public health's website. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought like, oh, this is really cool. I could get a job doing this. So like maybe I should study this instead of acting because I knew I'd be a terrible waitress. And so <laughs> I studied graphic design and then YouTube came out while I was in college. Yeah. So I started making YouTube videos um, and the rest is kind of history in the sense of like, you know, you make a bunch of videos and they don't go anywhere. And then I had a viral hit in 2012, but I had been making videos for about six years before that. Yeah. And it was just kind of trying different things, sketches, hair stuff, um, parodies. I love to sing and do characters and things like that. And so, um, you know, the internet was just a place where I always felt like I could be myself and connect with other people. And I never expected that it would lead to a career, but I'm right. so glad that it did. And it was it was mostly on accident. Yeah, yeah. I have to remind myself of this a lot too, but like there truly is no such thing as an overnight success. No, like absolutely all of not. those things, you might just have heard of them overnight, but like there's still so much work that went into getting to that point. And you you beat all of the odds by um coming from Florida. Oh, wow. Yes, was there... I am a POF, a person of Florida, and it is very difficult. Was there a point when you realized that, like, Florida was Florida? Okay, here's the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand up for my state. Defend Florida. I'm going to defend Florida for a hot minute. No pun intended. Here's the thing. Yes, a lot of ridiculous stories come out of Florida. It's not completely our fault. We have what is called the Freedom of Information Act. If you don't know what it is, look it up. It means that whenever somebody gets arrested for a crime, it is public record immediately. There are lots of good and bad things about this. For example, all of the emails of our state legislators are available for anybody. They're like public record. Right. But that also means that when some like weird story happens, it instantly goes on a police blotter. That's also why Cops is filmed in Florida because the press can just like ride along with cops and you have no guarantee of privacy if you are arrested for a crime, even if you are not guilty. And so (laughs) now everybody knows that weird stories come out of Florida and it's not that they happen more in Florida. It's just that you have access to them before someone has actually been charged with a crime. You are blowing my mind right now. (laughs) In Summation. Stop shitting on Florida. Unless you are a POF. You know, it's just like black people jokes. We can make jokes about ourselves and y'all have to listen and laugh, but you can't make certain jokes that we can make. As a person of Florida, there are certain jokes I can make. Oh no. I'm not okay with other people making. This is the last episode of Unhappy Hour. (laughs) Unfortunately, we have to to cancel ourselves. Listen, I get it. Florida is weird. I get it. There's, I like it down there. It's it's slow. Uh-huh. It's very slow. It's very laid back, which is difficult when I go back now that I've been living in New York. Like I am very much a New Yorker right, now. Right. Um. But yeah, I mean, I um, I love the sun. I love a, a slim flip flop. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Listen, I 
we have uh, the first segment that we always start out uh, on Happy Hour with is Worst Things First. And mm-hmm. it's just, you know, the craziest, weirdest it's news of the week. Florida. Inevitably, we, we always say only in Florida because mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. always these crazy stories. Um, but yeah, I've been to Florida a bunch of times now to perform. And I've never had like a horrible experience there. Yeah. Like most of the people who have driven me have been drunk. But like... <laughs> Besides that, I do remember I finished a comedy show. I think it was it was on. It might have been in West Palm Beach. <gasps> That's where I'm from. I know I've been I've been there. Mm-hmm. I performed there, but I can't remember if it, maybe I'm thinking of Tampa. That this particular incident happened okay. at. He drove me back to my hotel, and I was like, "Oh, I'm you're like 100 percent mass right now." <laughs> We're not going far, and I don't yeah, have I, the ability to I speak up for myself. I definitely think because it's warm year-round, that does increase, like, people getting a little turnt. Yeah. You know, because in the winter, oftentimes you don't want to go anywhere. You're like, I'm just going to stay my ass at home. It is way too cold, and that's not a problem in Florida. So, yeah. like, so I do think that that contributes to some of the, the ridiculousness. I also did a show. This is now me just complaining. No, I'm ready <laughs> but, for it. Uh, but after I called an Uber to bring me back to my hotel and I saw this Uber pull up and then these people got into it and I was like, oh, it must not be my Uber. But then I saw the little car on my screen getting farther away and I was like, they just stole my Uber. <laughs> and I called the driver and I was like, did you just pick up two girls um, for Matthew? <laughs> and and she was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, can you not take them to my hotel, please? Because I could hear and them. like, the- fucking Florida. I could. <laughs> hear them in the background, the girls being like, just keep going. keep. Go- We're almost there. And I was like, do not take them to my hotel, Wait, please. were they like stalking you? I still don't know if they were or if they were just like drunk and thought they were getting a free ride to where they were going. That's so weird. Um, but yeah. I've just, there's a couple people where I'm like, you're drunk. I know you like had a good time at the show, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's time for us to part ways. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now I'm getting ready to interview you. Do you think that like, because the persona that you've created has like, you know, alcohol is like part of the brand. Do uh-huh. you think that that's influenced like the type of, I'm just yes. saying like. Yeah, I know- think I've talked about this. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, obviously I'm incredibly grateful for the audience that I've built. Right. I think like when I, I love going out and doing live shows and stand up and, and you know, it's exciting to be in a room full of people who are all just like there to have fun. Mm-hmm. But there are times where I'm like, oh my God, I'm setting a horrible example. Yeah. Especially since my audience is like 90% women. And I need to walk in and be like, I'm a professional. <laughs> my tolerance is through the roof. <laughs> like it takes a tranquilizer to bring me down. Yeah. And so and they I just can... want to get like <laughs> smashed with you. So there have been shows where they like the venue runs out of wine and I'm like, I've just created chaos. <gasps> and I'm like practically sober, but everybody else is like, a oh mess. my gosh, that's so funny. So yeah, I, I know, would have I never didn't... thought I would have never thought that that would happen. <laughs> but I appreciate that context. It's it's sometimes scary, but you know, the more and more stuff that I'm interested in doing, it's like you know, you don't just want to be the alcohol guy or the wine I, guy. Listen, I hear you. It's like any anything as you know in the entertainment industry is like if you have something specific that's successful you know you then sort of fight to 
prove that you're just you're more than that. Thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I host a show about race and pop culture and now people think I go to their parties and I just tell them what's racist <laughs> around their house and I don't do that at all. I'm actually very fun at parties. <laughs> and when people listen to my podcast, like my husband and I, we curse and we like make dirty jokes and but I don't curse on decoded for example and uh-huh. people will say like oh my gosh I can't believe that you're like dropping f-bombs and making like sex jokes and I have to say well decoded is my job like I love decoded and right. it has been so good to me but I'm reading a teleprompter like that is not my whole personality like right. the jokes that are on there are geared towards a younger audience because that's who watches the show um it is not all coming directly from my brain. I'm also an actor and a comic. Like, I do other things. Um, So that's really interesting to me. I think that it's actually made me more empathetic to other creators. Yeah. um, Because sometimes it's like the way you find out about somebody, it is imprinted into your brain that that's who they are and right, many right. times it's not who they are at all. Yeah. Well, I am curious like what kind of stuff you're working on now. It's Decoded still Yeah, still so we're on right? season seven of Decoded. I think we are like ooh, five episodes in, 12 episodes. Right. Um, so I wrote a book this year. Yes. Um, I'm still in development on a television show and I don't know how much TV crossover you've done, but coming from the internet, it is a frame shift to realize like, oh, things don't happen in two seconds. (laughs) Um, So I've had many conversations with people where they're like, oh, two years, you're fine. And I'm like, I am. I'm okay. (laughs) Like, I just keep thinking like I'm a failure. It's like, no, you're not a failure. TV takes forever because there's like 8 million people making decisions and lots of money being thrown around. And it just, they're like, let's circle back in two months and you're like what um so i'm doing that um i took a short to sundance in january and so i took a break on trying to sell that because i was working on this show so now i'm back like starting to take meetings to try and sell that Mm -hmm. and then i've been working on a feature yeah uh, I do want to transition to a quick, I call it a game. It's not really a game mm-hmm. um, called Elaborate, where I want Ooh. you to elaborate on some of the things that you've said you've hated Ooh. on Twitter. Um, oh, my God. I will say normally, sometimes I'm like struggling to find things from people. And... <laughs> <laughs> that was a read. Like, as soon as you said on your Twitter, I was like, oh, my God, I can't even imagine oh, I how many it. things I've said I hate on Twitter. Okay. Um, this is from earlier this year. I hate when you answer the phone and the person on the other end says, yeah, who is this? <laughs> um, no, you called me. Who is this? <laughs> it is so true. That is so rude. I don't know if I'm the only person that's having this problem, but I'm getting mad, weird telemarketer calls from people like pretending to be the IRS. And, and I don't know what's going on, but I get them all the time now. And they're like, who is this? As soon as I answer the phone. Uh-huh. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to tell you who I am. You called me. Right. Um, okay. Uh, I really hate how food bloggers tell you their whole entire life story before getting to the frickin' recipe. It's... Absolutely true. This is a couple years old, but still true. It is so true. I very recently become someone who tries to cook for themselves more often, Mm -hmm. like just trying to like be healthier, but also just like spend less money. What my like trick is, is I'll eat something in a restaurant and then I'll be like, I could probably make this. So I go online, I try to like find a knockoff version. And it's always like in the summer of 62, (laughs) my parents decided that they were going to lay down and create a baby. It's like, what? (laughs) Just tell me how to 
make the chicken tiki masala. Like I, that's what I want. And then you have to scroll all the way down and then there it just it's so annoying. Or they do a whole story and then they make you click through to somebody else's blog for no. the recipe. It's just like just tell me what I want. Totally. Okay, last one, perhaps the most controversial, although Ooh. this was, um, it ended up being a positive story. Okay. This was, uh, I used to hate on beets, and now I love them. <laughs> Recent famous spiralized beet salad. Explain yourself. <laughs> I used to think that beets tasted like dirt. They do taste like but dirt. But that's why they're good. Like, I feel like they're earthy. No, they're too earthy. They are a strange taste. Yeah. They're an acquired one, but now I really like them. I just, it's, I want, I want the, maybe this is shallow of me, but I would like the image of the beat to match up with the taste. Don't like. What does the image project to you? It seems like it's going to be like juicy and sour and like, like candy. Mm. But then it tastes like the opposite of candy. Yeah. It tastes like a piece of candy you dropped in in the dirt. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, on that note, uh, I'm going to encourage you try a spiralized beet, try a roasted beet salad. I will expand. I'll expand my horizons. You should. I will get outside of my bubble (laughs) and try, try to confront my demons and enjoy a beet. But um, I I might have to work up to it. I believe in you. Um, before we let you go, where can people find you on the internet? Find yeah. your work. You can find me all over the internet as Cheska Lee, C-H-E-S-C-A-L-E-I-G-H. That's my first name and my middle name smushed together. Got I, it. I, I'm stuck with it. It's not the one that I would have chosen, but this is where I am. Yeah. Or just search for Cheska Ramsey, Facebook, Instagram. I'm not on Snapchat anymore. I quit. Twitter, all over the place. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was super fun. I'll see you next time. We're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad stuff go down. Barry, let's start with what are you watching this week? So um, as I said at the beginning of this episode, I've had a really crazy week. So I uh, this is maybe the longest I've gone without watching TV. Wow. And by that, I mean it's been like four days. Wow. So I do have to retract something, though. Oh, God. Don't watch the third season of Lilyhammer. Okay. It's it's not a good season. Um, I was excited about it, and as it kept going, it just I, I've like never been so mad at the end of a show. It was just like the plot lines went nowhere. They kept introducing characters. The women got worse somehow. Not like the characters. It'd be cool if the characters became like bad characters. They just like were nothing. Uh, they were cardboard. So that sucked. But still maintain that the second season and that finale is a fantastic finale. So I still love Lilyhammer. I still recommend it. But it's not worth watching the third season. Be happy at the end of the second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I haven't really been watching much else. I am going to start watching Broadchurch. That is the next thing we're watching. Yeah. So and Shit's Great comes back, which I know I said last week, but it does come back this week. Right. And Brooklyn Nine-Nine starts back up, which is like a I won't say guilty because I, I do enjoy it. Um, I'm not. I'm not ashamed to say I like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but I am, I'm excited for that one to come back, too. What about you? What are you watching? I started watching You. Yeah, that's right. I stand <laughs> outside your window. Have you watched this? I did haven't we watched talk it. About it? We, I think we did off mic. IRL in our Who's IRL Mike? lives. 
If you haven't seen, you it used to be a Lifetime series last year, and they brought it to Netflix recently. It stars Penn Badgley from Gossip Girl, and he plays a stalker. This is not giving anything away, because it's all in the pilot. But basically, he meets this girl who comes into the bookshop that he works at, and then he's like, oh, she's cute. And then he, like, follows her home and looks her up and, like, steals her phone and logs into all of her accounts and is, like, follows her. And it, it just, it's the most amazingly horrible show I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> like, it definitely is the vibe of, like, Gossip Girl, like, Pretty Little Liars, where it's like, none of this would ever happen in reality, None of these characters make any choices that make any sense whatsoever. They're in the basement of the bookshop. They just have like a glass prison cell with a two-way, one of those like two-way things that you use at a bank to like transfer large amounts of cash. There's a cocaine transfer. Love it. Via that. Cool. Because someone is kept prisoner in the glass encasement. It just is wildly out of control. It's confusing for a number of reasons, mostly that Penn Badgley is super hot and is a crazy psycho stalker or killer. But also, it doesn't make any sense. And the dialogue is ridiculous. My favorite line, not a spoiler, is via voiceover. A character says to herself... What is it about you and motel rooms that makes you so horny? <laughs> All right, I got to watch it. <laughs> and she says that to herself as she's unbuttoning her pants. Amazing. So that's what I've been watching. Do you have a chaser chaser? Oh, of course. I always have a chaser what chaser. What is it? My chaser this week is Dr. Game Show. It, it's I'm, I'm pretty sure I've talked about it on the show before because it's hosted by Joe Firestone. It's that podcast. It very, very sadly has come to an end. It has been canceled for the second time. Um, it's no longer on Earwolf. But we went to the live show and I just, it just, that show makes me so happy. And I'm really, really happy that we were able to see him live. So yeah, what about you? What's your chaser? Mine is similar. I've, I've been trying to see a lot more, go to a lot more live shows, see a lot more comedy live. I mean, in addition to partaking, I'm also just a fan of so many of the people who perform in New York and I like going out to see people and it inspires me. Mm. I went to a show called Sparkle Hour at Union Hall in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. I think the idea is that everybody was like, not an alternative comic, but like a, a fun gay comic in some way, LGBT plus. And I might be part of the lineup next time. Oh, fun. Or in the future. I'm trying to I get might, on more I lineups in New York. I might see it. So live comedy going out, being around other people. I'm trying to stick to my resolutions and I'm succeeding. I've gone out, left my apartment almost every day. Whoa. Shocking. That's, That's amazing. Oh. There <laughs> <laughs> definitely like two days where I didn't I just straight up hey that's two out of ten that's it for this week thank you for listening to unhappy hour you can head to apple podcasts or spotify or stitcher wherever you get podcasts hit that subscribe button then rate us review us but only if it's nice Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Media. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, and me, Matt Bellisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Our editors are Dina Kleiner and Josh Gwynn. Music by Hansdale Sue. You can bother Barry at Finkel Berry Pie. You can worship me at Matt Bellisai. And you can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter for all the latest podcast buzz. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Uh, bye-bye.
Paris is not Paris Hilton. The the state of Paris, France, the nation state of Paris. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I feel like my body is just falling. Apart. You just slowly cut it down. <laughs>